0: Hey fellow whiskey nerds, tune into this episode of the Potsdale Whiskey Podcast, the one and only podcast made to look behind the scenes of the whiskey industry and how people like you can get into the whiskey world. Whether you're new to whiskey or a seasoned drinker, you're sure to pick up some tips of actionable advice when you listen to the Potsdale episodes. Today we welcome Aidan and Lisa Meegan, co-founders of Gorton Ore Distillers and known for the people behind Natterjack Whiskey. We get a look into how they got into business together and where the idea came from. We'll also get some insights into some stories of Aiden's memorable trip to Colorado and an infamous letter from Jack Daniels Whiskey. Listen up and stay tuned to the Potsdill Podcast. It's great to welcome you to this next episode of the Potsdill Podcast. This time around we have our first ever duo of guests, a first for the Potsdill, I'd like to introduce you all to Aiden and Lisa Megan, co-founders of Gorton Ore Distillers and also known for Natterjack Irish Whiskey. Aiden and Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you both on. And for our listeners who may not know who you are, can you give us a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do?
1: Um, <clears throat> so I'm Aiden Megan and uh, Lisa is my cousin and co-founder of Natterjack, or of Gorton Or Distillers and Co. We produce Natterjack Irish Whiskey, which is... The whiskey you may or may not seen with the large toad on the bottle, the Natterjack Toad, the only toad that's indigenous to Ireland.
0: <laughs> and how are things going for you with Natterjack whiskey? I believe you also have a distillery in the plans at the moment.
1: Absolutely. yes. Yeah. So things have been, look, the lockdown um, order, like lockdown has been difficult, you know, we, we did very well in the airports, airports are closed, we did very well in hotels, hotels are closed. It's been a tough period. However, we're coming out the other side of it now as things open up and the future looks very bright and the export markets we went to remain strong. So things have been pretty good. But during, just before first lockdown, we got planning permission granted to retrofit a uh, distillery into an old woolen mill in KilmacThomas Thomas and Waterford. So we're in the detailed design planning of that now. and that will be well, hopefully a two year build. So there will be liquid coming off that, but the whiskey is a bit of a way away at the moment. But um, currently we have source stock.
0: I always love hearing more about investment in Irish whiskey and it's great to see another distillery being part of the resurgence of Irish whiskey. Take us back to before kind of the brand and the whiskey itself, where did the idea come from and where was the thought process in using the Natterjack Toad as part of your branding?
1: So um, I was working in London um, back in about 2015. Um, I think Lisa would say I had a bit of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I'd say we were, I needed mean, a career Questions break. Questions on his life. <laughs> and um, I, I just wanted to do something different. And I figured that if, and I, I wasn't a big whiskey drinker at the time, still am I, but <laughs> I figured that I do like going out and I like a pint. And if Irish whiskey had missed me, it must've missed other people. So this idea for a contemporary Irish whiskey, and I approached Lisa and said, "What do you think? What about something that isn't um, Jameson or isn't
2: um, Bushmills or, or, yeah. or any of the old name place whiskeys mm-hmm. that ever, that was pretty much only on the market in, in fourteen? Because it's been a fairly recent uh, resurgence, I think, from a branding perspective."
1: Yeah, and we, and Lisa had a background in pure um, marketing, and I didn't have that. I, I didn't have a background in whiskey either. I mean, um, but I did have a dream to build something and so we sat down and started going through some stuff and I used a I don't think I'm supposed to tell this story but I used <laughs> an old picture of um, that a friend of mine an artist friend of mine made which had two fish on a blue background and I called the project two fish blue and that was going to be our whiskey and myself and Lisa sat down we still have the one piece of page piece of paper that had all of our ideas and where we thought it would go and the the idea of Moving away from a, from the male dominated side of the brand. And this was 2015. There was nothing really like it on the market, an idea for a contemporary Irish whiskey. And I called the artist and said, Can I use the piece of art on my new whiskey brand? And he said, You can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an artist and, and I, I saw it as a piece of art and it's mine. So you can't. I said, okay, cool. So we went away. I like the cadence. We like the cadence of Two Fish Blue. So we went away and had a look at a load of other different things. And some of them were dreadful, like Four Brown Bear, like who cares? But Four Toad Black stood out to us as a great name for whiskey. So I said to the same artist, can you draw me a toad? And he said, there's an Irish toad. And I said, oh, it's there. And we said, uh, okay, can you draw me one of them? He's like, let's find the name of it. And he said, it's called a Natterjack Toad. So then Lisa and I were like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Natterjack whiskey Straight away. is incredible. Natterjack Irish whiskey, even better. So we registered it, and we were still trying to raise capital for the business, and we got some branding done. Kelvin Drew an incredible toad. Kelvin Mann, who's just an amazing artist, and he, uh, he drew us this incredible toad, and we registered the name, and then Jack Daniels wrote to us and sued us. <laughs> so we're like, this must be an incredible name. I thought they wanted to invest. And they didn't want to invest. <laughs> so yeah. then we said, right, Manor Jack Irish Whiskey it is. And it turned out, Lisa found out, it's a bit of a shit toad.
2: It's a shit toad. So... So, yeah, it was, it spoke to us on a number of levels. Uh, the natterjack toad, obviously native, it's the only toad native to Ireland. And it has been found pretty much in most other continents, actually, which is very, we were, you know, we were like, you know, it's like Irish people. We end up all over the world, you know, and, and, and our toad ends up all over the world. But it does things its own way. It does things differently. And that, that was really the essence of what we were about and like why we came to this from totally different you know non whiskey related backgrounds mm-hmm. we wanted to do something different and the toad doesn't uh, it doesn't hop it walks it can't swim it'll drown in water and uh, it it does things at night it's a no, it, it's a nocturnal animal unlike other toads so it does things its own way it does things differently and that spoke to us we were like yeah like this is it this is our spirit animal literally and figuratively so um that that's where the toad came from
1: yeah and it, it, there's other parts that spoke to us. We've been able to work on conservation projects now. The so Natterjack Toad is endangered. It might not yeah. still be on the endangered list, but we we support one of the um, recolonization projects down in Kerry, and that was something else. Because like you know, we we want a business that is as eco-friendly as we can be, being a whiskey company. We want to support the Natterjack Toad that's given us mm-hmm. a lovely look on the bottle, <laughs> like so. There's been other aspects that have really Resonate. Meant resonated yeah, and meant that it fact. is our spirit animal. And the other thing is, uh, Craig, and we haven't really ever discussed this, but it's really easy to put a bull on a bottle of whiskey and say it's a regal bull. Yes, I'm a bull. Yeah. Like it's not that easy to put a fucking frog on, yeah, make it look cool. And so that Really in there was the challenge, right? Like, can we do this? Are we just gonna look like some people who have whiskey in a bottle and they put a frog on it? We're gonna be it's gonna look like fat frog. No one's gonna buy it, they're gonna think it's shit and we're gonna have to go. Yeah.
2: yeah. And so there was a real
1: challenge there in making that that small slimy animal a really regal thing that you want to hold. And so that was really where you know the the two of us had to put our heads together to Mm. to come up with that.
0: Yeah, with such a name that kind of rings off, kind of rolls off the tongue, all about whiskey but bringing in then saying it's a toad. And then you actually do the background. It's kind of like, how do we, how do we turn this? How do yeah. we make it something mm-hmm. different? But it already is, is kind of uh, different in itself. That's it's amazing. And the fact that you've also spoke there about, like when, when Jack Daniels comes calling, um, yeah. you're obviously doing something right if you're annoying competitors in, the, in, the, in that space, That's especially it. if someone like Jack Daniels is knocking on the door.
1: On our wall in the office is the cease and desist letter. And beside it we have, can I cross on this?
2: Yeah, so <laughs> Yeah, and we have a
1: large that says "Fuck Jack Daniels." I've <laughs> not drunk Jack Daniels since that day. I wouldn't drink yeah. the Irish whiskey that they own. All... You
2: probably didn't drink it before. No, you? probably not.
1: Yeah. No, no, they, yeah.
2: they didn't, <laughs> mind, but didn't gain five. Yeah,
0: that is that is genius. I love hearing the stories behind what what the brand is and hearing those little nuances. But um what I've always heard is never to mix family and business, and that's exactly what you've both done um Mm -hmm. being being cousins going into business together
2: yeah (laughs) bringing
0: bring bring the dogs into the uh into all the social media pieces there as well but what is it like working with each other
2: brilliant yeah Yeah. like it's just been it, like in the typical sense so like being cousins we were all like we 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 never had a siblingy type relationship no. uh, i'm actually a week just a week older than aiden older and wiser um <laughs> so we're, we're very close in age and um we've always we've been good pals and it just like there was never no, we never had an issue working no. together it's been like seriously just really good fun <clears> and <throat> really we've a really good creative I don't know like energy energy that works together yeah, yeah. Right. Like, when we Nothing were back of bounds, kind of no much. absolutely and when,
1: when mm. we were doing that piece of paper that I was talking about earlier on we were doing our ideas I remember Lisa said to me it's like I think you should work with somebody else on this because they have more experience and I said I don't think so I think <laughs> I think I, I need what we need here is for ideas to be very honestly and openly discussed mm. right and if mm. if and the problem here is right with with startups and and founders and ownership and and all those different things things can get very very murky very quickly as to what someone thought of or what was someone's idea and all this sort of stuff and you can it, it, it's tailor's as old as time that mm. businesses fall apart with these things so I read a great quote a while back, which was um, there's nothing a person can't achieve if they don't care who gets the credit. Right. So Mm -hmm. myself and Lisa came up with this idea together. We pushed forward with it together. And the fact that there was never any politics between us Mm -hmm. because of our knowing each other, all of our lives. Mm -hmm. And, but also we're not so close that it's working with your wife or working with your husband or whatever, that you can actually be Honest, open, and there's been honest at open times. Sometimes too <laughs> yeah. honest and open, <laughs> and, but it's been it's been really good. It's been really rewarding, and it's been also because look, our lives go through peaks and troughs as well together. And you're not we're we know each other on a personal and also on a mm-hmm. business level, and we've been able then to support each other on a business and personal level yeah. during trials 100%. and tribulations. Because a startup business going through a pandemic is not an easy time. Life nice. is complicated, and it's been. I think it's been
0: brilliant. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And how do your decisions get made? Like what's the kind of process between the two of you um, being both co-founders?
2: Collaborative. Collaborative. 100%.
1: And an understanding that on both of our parts, I think, when the other doesn't have the expertise. So if... I, I, I'm
2: definitely, I sit definitely more comfortably in the branding and sales and marketing side. Yeah. And that's, I still, I'm happy to stay in my lane.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story. So, and I sit more on the operational, on the finance, on the distillery side. And, and we, we collaborate on both of those, but we understand, um, we understand uh, what we're better at. Mm. And so, but also you, you've got it, you have to own that, right? You can't say... I've worked with people who do. they say, yeah, this is your role. you've you gone run with it and then they send you after the meeting, they send you ten points as the things you have to do. Like it, <laughs> Lisa owns her role. I own my role, and we we make our we live and die by our, by our mistakes. on yeah. the night we launched, it was yeah, about 6 thirty there wasn't a sinner uh, six o'clock, there wasn't a sinner in the launch room. just mm-hmm. me and Lisa and some family members and we were like, have we completely gotten this wrong? Mm. By half six, the place was ramped. It was five grand. It was five deep at the bar, right? And I turned around to Lisa because we had this plan to give a talk about um, what, about, the, about where, how we got in here. Very similar to this, like a chat to launch the brand. And I was like, Lisa, everyone's having a good time. Let's just have some drinks and we'll let them have a good time. No one wants to hear us rabbit on. Yeah. And she looked at me very seriously and said, Aiden. We're doing this. And I was like, okay, we are, let's go. So we
2: actually didn't get to do it in the end because it was no. so busy. And literally people actually didn't, they, they couldn't hear us. They, yeah. they, it wasn't what they were there for, really. Yeah.
1: But, um, but that ownership was, you know, somebody else would have just been like, okay, well, then maybe we don't. But Lisa understood that the people had come there for a reason. It didn't matter if it was going to be, they didn't want to listen to us harp on for mm. 30 minutes, but they did want to hear some of the background to yeah. the brand and that sort of thing. I didn't really get that. I still don't get a lot of the
0: marketing stuff that we do. And that's great because it allows us to be fresh.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: Once you have a few people having a few drinks to your whiskey, it tries to get a bit more rowdy <laughs> in the bar. So it's harder to keep people quiet, but you the main thing there was you were getting people in the door to taste your whiskey and that's then where you start talking about it and you look at the history behind it and the stories can go and flow from there Uh, one of the questions i have for breaking into the industry itself the whiskey industry is historically being male dominated um did you find anything kind of barriers or anything about breaking into the industry
2: i think this is where i mean obviously aiden would have wanted me to work with him anyway Mm -hmm. because he (laughs) thinks I'm wonderful (laughs) (laughs) happy does start clapping there um but but I think the point of my involvement was to kind of we wanted to really address exactly that point like um I've been drinking whiskey since I was um, I think 23 or 24 and um I, I really enjoyed it but again I felt that it was kind of samey there was nothing not necessarily and I didn't mind it there was nothing that like brought me in and wanted to help me and show me how to taste and you know like you know in the same way that that people had been doing wine tastings for ages and and educating people on wine and in cof- on coffee and food and lots of different things and there just at the time there wasn't that same thing and I felt it was a huge uh, gap and I also felt like it wasn't really it definitely wasn't targeted at me it was it was sort of ex- excluding me and people like me and my my girlfriends who wanted to perhaps to drink whiskey but it was quite an intimidating space <clears throat> you know a lot of the whiskies until really I think honestly until kind of after after 2010 even 2014 mm. a lot of them were still the place names and surnames the old traditional Irish whiskies like 8, 10, 12, 15 year old whiskies. you know and it was just out of my desire to drink them or desire to maybe know about them. It just didn't feel accessible. So one of the things that we want to do with my involvement was get my taste on the blend and make it something that was, you know, so another kind of side point is that women have more taste buds and their olfactory senses um, are, are stronger than men's. So we, have, we, we can taste things in a more intense way. So um, it was really interesting to go through that process Mm. of our blend and putting all that together. So were there barriers in that regard? I think there were barriers for the whole category, to be honest, Mm. Um, and and we've benefited from, we've, we've done things our own way anyway. We were always gonna kind of push ahead But I think the industry has done and the the category has done a huge job in breaking those down. And we've benefited from them for sure. But we were definitely going in that direction ourselves.
0: I've recently seen some articles. There's a lot of people calling for change in the industry. Uh, There's previously been some sexist comments or tasting notes associated with whiskey. I've been trying to encourage more females to engage and also get everything, uh, know more about whiskey and just feel like they can approach whiskey better. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been a huge, important factor, I think, for the industry to get more females involved and make it more open to all sexes, not just predominantly male. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you feel that maybe myself, our listeners or anything can do to help change this opinion?
2: I don't know. I think it's I think it's a slow movement. I think it has to come. It's a push and pull. Right. So it has to come from both sides. There has to be the 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 doors have to be opened on the industry and category side to to bring more women in, which is definitely happening. You can see that sea change, and it's going to be slow. But I think as well, women are now I feel in a in a different place, even as I said, than than we were like five, seven, nine years ago. Um, in terms of I don't know, just being I don't know, being more. I don't even know how to express this maybe be more like confident in calling for certain <clears throat> drinks at the bar and not feeling like you're going to get stared down you know for, for yeah. ordering something in particular um we did a bit of work and actually she she very kindly introduced us at our launch um with seanine sullivan of um l mulligan grocer and she has just been fantastic she's been really important in the whiskey you know, the the women in whiskey in Ireland. And I think, you know, what she was doing, and I spoke on a panel with her um, as well. And I think it's that, I think it's just for women to see more women, founders, drinkers, blenders, marketers, branding people, you know, for women to see women in doing all that, I think that'll be the change. Absolutely. I don't know if you'd have anything more to add to that. I'm like, I know Faye is. Faye has been really. Faye Aiden's wife, Faye, has been really influential and instrumental in, in building our brand as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And um, and where I think for me the difference, I sound like, uh, I sound like a, I don't know what I sound like, but that word for me doesn't. <laughs> for
2: so, me. Yeah, exactly.
1: So what I think is um, that historically the industry has utilized women to appeal to men right and that's a very male way on that. look you know i like pretty girls as much as anybody else but what actually needs to happen for there to be instrumental change is there has to be more of lisa's position in companies which is at the decision making process mm-hmm. not just limited to um the activation events and, mm-hmm. and making pale male stale clientele really like the idea that a pretty girl gave them a glass of whiskey. No, it has to be around the flavor of the product. It has to be around what is our message? Where are we trying to get to? What is the future for this brand? How is this brand aspirational? It isn't aspirational if all it is, is the dark recesses of some um, old man's idea of what people might like. It's actually about what will speak to the next generation of whiskey drinkers, because that's who we're going after. We're not going after, and they don't like us, and we don't care, but we're not going after the guy at the bar who likes a single mold, a 12-year-old single malt at the end of the evening. We don't care about it. He'll be dead before we're finished with this company, so it doesn't really matter. But won't be dead is the new people coming to Brown Spirits, and that's who we're going after.
0: Yeah, and I think it's not limited to the whiskey industry itself. I think all industries are, are exactly like that. Getting more females on the board, more people involved in those decision making. And also it means that there is diversification in those actual decisions being made. They're not all being made by males. So yeah, I think-
2: there, there is, don't get me wrong, there's huge, there's a huge number of women involved in the in the drinks business and doing amazing work and creating amazing campaigns and equally there are amazing women in you know behind the scenes and doing some of that work but I think it's you know it's trying to encourage women to get into distilling itself and Mm -hmm. you know so that so that there's more women involved at the technical you know uh, you know beginning stage I guess Mm -hmm. of the liquid of the spirit and, and then coming in and coming up through coming up through the, the kind of the ranks and, and all areas of the company. And there have been women have been involved in whiskey for gen, like for centuries, really. It's mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. It's it's actually really interesting how, although, you know, whiskey has been forever known as an old man or a man's drink, women have been involved in owning mm-hmm. distilleries and breweries for, for many hundreds of years. So, so it's an interesting...
0: So you mentioned there just, uh, the distillation aspect. Aidan, you've done a course, I believe, in distilling? I did do a course, yeah. Again, the International Brewing Distilling Institute in London. And then you also brought across um, your your master distiller uh, Jordan Vaya. Yeah. Um, how did you come across Jordan? So
1: back during my nervous breakdown and
0: faith,
1: <laughs> um, I went off to try and learn how to make whiskey, how to you know what what was going to be needed. And I, I've, I back in the day, we I really wanted to look at. Crossing over barriers. I didn't realize that it's very difficult in alcohol to do, uh, you know, there, there's a reason Jameson don't do uh, vodka because it doesn't really work. People don't really get it. But I thought that I had this great idea that we'd do a, a Natterjack, would be a bourbon and it would also be an Irish whiskey and it would be, and it just doesn't really work. But I did want to learn out how to make bourbon. So I went to do a course in Louisville, Kentucky. And after the first day of the course, uh, Jordan had been teaching the course. I went out into the car park and Jordan was standing there looking kind of wistfully off into the distance. I said, hi, and um, Jordan, my name's Aidan. I was on your course today. Really enjoyed it. Is everything okay? You looked like you're a bit upset. He's like, I just sold my steak in my distillery. And I was like, oh, Mazel Tov. Um, can I buy you a drink? And he said, uh, you can. Okay, sure. So in we went. His wife joined us, and we had a great chat about the plans and everything like that. And I was like, you know, this is going to be Ireland's biggest whiskey. We're going to We're going to buy Jamieson in five years. (laughs) uh, You know, I taught all this stuff. Not cocky, just confidence, right? Yeah, yeah. What what do you need? Because I'd love to be involved. I've never done a project in Ireland. I've obviously done loads of projects. He's, you know, he's the master distiller of uh, Bob Dylan's whiskey. Uh, He did Breckenridge, Savage and Cook. He has a long history in the Napa wine industry. And so he said, look, I'd love to. What do you need? And I said, I need to work at a distillery. He said, okay, come and work in Breckenridge in Colorado. I was like okay cool and he's like when would you like to come and I was like I don't know three weeks He's like, <laughs> okay so I went to stay there with them for a month they should not have got me to stay for a month I And mean, it's a long time to have anyone in your house but um yeah, and I stayed with them got on great we had such a super time and left lifelong friends with them and they've been over to Ireland four times now I think mm-hmm. himself and his wife we've been every time we're in the states we make sure to see them and um, it's just been it's been a, a wonderful relationship but also m- more to all of that that's great and everything but he's really good. Like, mm. you know, if we're sitting there, we're chatting myself and Lisa and himself about what way we want this to go. So it's a bit rough. Can we smoothen it up? What can we do with the malt to maybe take the grain down a notch, all that sort of stuff? And he plays around with it. And then he came, in fairness to him, the blend has been,
2: has yeah, been remarkably
1: on. versatile. Approachable, which is key to new whiskey drinkers because we don't want to hurt you. Like if, you, if you've never drunk whiskey and you pick up a Laphroaig 10-year-old, I don't think it's very pleasant, <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> but other people love it and whiskey drinkers will tell you it's the greatest whiskey they ever had, but I want it to be approachable and some of the others aren't. And so he came up with a really approachable liquid, I think.
0: So would you say then that you are potentially the reason why Heaven's store now uses red breast casks?
1: <laughs> we are definitely one of the reasons why heaven store <laughs> uses red breast casks. <clears throat> I was speaking to the guys, uh, I was speaking to the guys behind that the other day and um, they're the, that is a super marketing. Um, they've done a great job in the whiskey. I'm told tastes great, but I asked for a bottle, and they only got about 2,000 cases, so it's going to be a smaller release. If you can get one, hold on to it. I'd say it's beautiful.
0: How do you uh, like? How do you advertise to get Jordan to be looking at Ireland from from Colorado to to uh, to, to Waterford? Um, how do you entice him into the Irish whiskey industry?
2: I don't think there was much. No much advertising to be done like being involved in Irish whiskey is something that every distiller would love to do but you can't do it unless you've got a connection in Ireland right
1: (laughs) also I was relentless Craig every time every time we needed to do something with um the whiskey I would get on a flight go and see him sit down do the blend take him for dinner fly home Mm. that was just I was like this guy is key to us getting this project over the line so we didn't, we didn't have mature stock at that stage. So we were blending, the three of us were blending kind of two-year-old stock, guessing what it would look like, putting some of it into Virgin American Oak, waiting for the barrels, all these things. But I got on so well with them that it was like, it was, you know, uh, it just worked really well. A lot of it is wasn't. chemistry
2: as well, particularly when you're, you know, a small company like ours, when you're going to be working really closely and you got to have a good relationship, you've got yeah. to be on the same page. And I think yeah. you and Jordan really, you're really on the same page. Yeah, and like I knew I knew I liked
1: him when I first You're both a bit happened. mad. A little bit. So <laughs> I get
2: there.
1: I get I get to to see him in. There's a video on, on Instagram. I get to see him in um, in Island. Yeah, in uh, San Francisco. And I was like, he's a bit late, and. He was a bit late because he was flying to work in a seaplane. So he, like, their, their distilleries down on the water in Mare Island, which is outside San Francisco. And he flies to work in a seaplane. I was like, this is the kind of person I can work with. <laughs> He's not in a fucking Uber. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit
0: of a looper, but I love him.
2: I and Aiden Shaves with the cutthroat razor. So they're very to kind of spirits. I yeah, would say. yeah, we get on that. Mm-hmm.
0: There you go. And I, I, when I say your negotiation skills, there was more than one drink bought at the bar.
2: Absolutely, 100%, absolutely. 100%.
0: absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Photographic evidence to prove that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Uh, I do have to talk about the elephant in the room, and we kind of mentioned it just at the start as well. Um, the pandemic affected us all, affected sales at whiskey, the retail and, and travel industry. How has it has it affected any your distillery plans at the moment, or are things still on course? Things are still
1: on course, absolutely, but it probably has us pushed back a year. We So we got planning... September 2020 yeah, and we've then been cracking on with detailed design as well and we've you know um, worked on some of the parts of the site but funding for a distillery project during a time when distilleries around the country are shut down and have no revenue and have no sales is a very difficult sell now I'm decent at raising capital but I'm you know I'm not an alchemist <laughs> so we've had to push things back probably by about a year, I would suspect, because um, we people need to see that the vaccination process has worked, that we're going back to a normal operating model, that bars will reopen, and then we'll look again at, at, at a whiskey distillery. But, I mean, I wouldn't invest in a whiskey distillery during a pandemic, would you? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, it's, so it's logical, and it's that, that's what's held us up, and, and we're still hundred percent behind the project and we will get there. It just, the agreements we had in place prior to the pandemic disappeared pretty quickly once everyone's mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. sick.
0: So if there's anything you could like turn a positive spin on what has come out of the last 16, 18, months, nearly two years at this stage, is there any positive spin that you can take from, from what we've, we've all gone through?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so we, uh, one of the great things about the pandemic for us as a company and for us as individuals and stuff as well, is it's allowed us to really focus on what we enjoy doing while still in inverted commas working. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we did a, a campaign which we're still doing called grow your own, where we all planted some of our own stuff. Cause we're stuck at home. We still want to do stuff for the brand. And like, Some feedback we got for that was, uh, what are you, gardeners? This isn't really whiskey. But that's the point. The point is we're trying to do it differently. We're trying to engage in a different way with a different clientele, with a a different customer. And so when we grow our own, we make those cocktails, and some of them are just ripening now. It's going to be great fun. That's not something that any of the other whiskey brands have done. It is a bit off kilter, but it's been great.
2: But I think it's also part of like, it's kind of, it's part of our the adventure that that Natterjack is. It's part of living deliberately. It's, you know, what where without sounding like an idiot, like we, you know, we're more than a whiskey brand. We're we're a lifestyle. Like everything that Natterjack came from, like living deliberately, doing things your own way. Like Aiden and myself quit our jobs, which were not in the whiskey or or drinks industry, to do this. You know, everything we do with Natterjack is living deliberately, and it's doing things differently. So if we're on an adventure or if we're by the sea or if you're having a surf or if you're up the mountains or if you're going for a hike with your kids or if you're growing it yourself in your back garden you know that's as relevant to our brand as is making cocktails and which we do and and making cocktails and making videos about the cocktails but it's a very much more holistic Mm -hmm. thing for us I think yeah it's it's our full like it's our myself and Aiden our cousins this is our life our families are part of it it's the whole thing Mm -hmm.
1: And also the other thing is, Craig, this is what what we where we speak to, I think, some of our customers is this started off as a dream on a piece of paper, right? But it's eminently achievable for other people. I'm not sure that proper 12 is eminently achievable for that many people. I say proper 12 because he's crushed it. He's done an incredible marketing mm-hmm. job, but not many people are willing to get into a ring with Floyd Mayweather <laughs> to raise a hundred million to then go on and start a whiskey brand. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I, I'm really not mocking it. I, as from marketing, it, it's an incredible journey that they've gone on, but ours is eminently achievable. If you're hardworking, you've got a good idea, And you're willing to not just compete with the status quo, because if you try that, you will, It'll. it'll, I won't say you'll fail, things will be harder. So if this was now, we're both called, I'm Aidan Megan, Lisa's Lisa Megan. And if this was Megan's whiskey, we wouldn't be on the podcast (laughs) at the moment, wouldn't be in the airport. We'd still be in my parents' basement wondering why our whiskey wasn't selling. Got to try something else.
0: So, are you saying that a 12 rounds with someone from Jack Daniels is off the cards? Someone from Jack Daniels.
1: I'd probably see that. There's nothing I wouldn't do for this brand. So, if Conor McGregor McGregor wanted to fight me, I probably would. I mean,
2: you waxed your legs for the
1: brand. Absolutely. You know, just next is what I say. The insurance
0: insurance is going through the roof right now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I really like you can even hear from the tone on your voices, uh, the characters that you are, uh, the, even the way that you are able to just completely collaborate on this, this podcast as well. It really comes through, especially as well in your Instagram videos and, and on Facebook. Um, and it does show that the brand is something different. It's not your generic putting a, b- a bottle of whiskey out there and seeing how it goes. You're trying different things. You're looking at new trends. You're trying to be different and be out there. Have you seen anything like that? Like any new trends for whiskey? Um, like, I mean, you mentioned there the cocktail making. Are we seeing more whiskey in cocktails? Are we going down the cocktail route? I know we've looked at like hard seltzers are bringing out in the last year or so. What's what's kind of next for, for, for whiskey?
2: Hard seltzer with Natterjack and a bit of cherry syrup, like one of those cherry seltzers on Natterjack and a bit of cherry syrup is divine, by the way. It'll send you to the moon for this. It's divine. <laughs> this, um, sounds,
1: this sounds like when I my was... My favourite drink. When I was in, like, I think 2001, I was in South Africa with a couple of mates of mine and at that stage, we were drinking uh, Smirnoff and Smirnoff ice. But, like, your mixer shouldn't have booze in it. <laughs> 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 right? Don't Double,
2: Double, Double up. up. Why not? Anything else is a waste of time. I think um, what we're seeing what we're seeing now, and uh, we we made a great decision last year, um, and we hired uh, a super guy called Scott Moran, and he's we we needed someone who was sales, but we all also needed someone who was clever and who was you know who wanted to grow with us as a brand, um, and someone who knew booze better than we did. Yeah, yeah. And Scott knows booze and what he's been doing. I'm not sure if you've been if you've looked at any of the the videos or the cocktail videos, but he's really. Certainly, as far as I can see it, he's really pushing the boundaries on like cocktails with with whiskey, because I think, you know, so one of the reasons as well that we've made Natterjack in the blend that it is, is because traditionally Irish whiskey couldn't be mixed in a cocktail just wasn't versatile enough, it didn't have the flavor profile. And so what we came up with was definitely something that we wanted to be able to be mixed, mixed in cocktails but stand up on its own but also be a good in a highball so um and, and that's exactly where are now sort of and I guess every brand everything has its own journey and trajectory and, and we wanted to do everything at the same time when we started but obviously we couldn't it's just mm-hmm. me and Aiden but as we've grown and as we've brought new people on and likewise for for our, our digital marketing guy you know they're helping us really to push boundaries in being creative in those, those different ways. So, yeah, I think, um, we're, we're, we love be, we're, we're obviously we love pushing the boundaries. Scott's really helping us do that with cocktails and Spencer likewise. And yeah, we're, we're just playing a bit, you know, um, and <clears throat> I think people are becoming a bit braver in drinking whiskey.
1: They are braver, braver at drinking whiskey at home and, mm-hmm. and experimenting with it themselves. And I like, I, Trends are difficult to see as we come out the other side of this because the big trend everyone wants is to get back to the pub. I love the book of Kells and everything, but if the pubs don't re- reopen, <laughs> loads of people aren't going to come to Ireland, right? <laughs> here for the fact. Like I, <laughs> I mean, I, I want a queue I want a queue to see some Celtic writing as well, but really I just I just <laughs> want you. to go to JT Pims and smash pints. Yeah. So, like that's and and i understand that the crack economy in ireland is the trend for the next while if you try and if we try and get too clever with making Mm. Nanajack ice cream or cooking with it and all that sort of stuff doesn't really work because we are doing those things by the way yeah but but the noise is so big around getting back to having fun with your mates and seeing people and Mm. all of that that i think Maybe I'd find it a bit difficult to see an immediate
0: trend coming out the other side of the moment. Yeah, I'm hoping the next trend is a pint in the chaser in an actual pub.
2: There you go. Yeah. There you Back go. to the <laughs> pint in the chaser.
0: So what whiskies have you been drinking over the last year? So um
1: I have had some of the heavens door that we spoke of, <laughs> not the not the red breast. Um we've I think my focus has been a little bit esoteric. So there's a there's a Uh, Tasmanian whiskey called Starward that I got a bottle of recently which I thought was absolutely lovely Um, and I've also kind of moved maybe past whiskey as I say we don't I don't drink whiskey all that much but every time I drink Natterjack I'm like this is really good whiskey but then also we've been uh, in the as the evenings are nicer here myself and my wife have been kind of sitting in the back garden whittling on some wood and that sort of jazz and I've been drinking a bit of mezcal and those sorts of things. The really characterful spirits that have spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in different ways, because the, the process of making these kind of fascinates me and how that business has, has been grown, because, you know, um, it's very similar to our
0: own. But there's nothing I won't try. And Lisa, what about yourself?
2: I'll be totally honest with you here. <laughs> I've, I've tasted a lot of whiskeys, but... And again, I'm probably like what I what I will always come back to is Nanajack. Mm. It's really, it's really navel gazing-y and it's really <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: it crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But I there, are no to... <laughs> there are yeah, no other whiskeys, Craig. That's true. Yeah. <laughs>
2: the first thing about Nanodak is only talk about Nanajack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I do I love it. But we also we launched our cask strength uh, last year, and that was that was a huge success. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and although it's it's essentially, it is just the cask of the same blend, the cast strength of the same blend, it's quite different.
1: But that's, uh, it's, you remember in college when you were um, dating someone who was a bit dangerous, <laughs> right? Matter of cast strength is a bit like that. You want to get to know them, <laughs> you, you want to get want to know them gently, <laughs> <laughs> and you want to maybe keep a maybe, bit of distance. <laughs> exactly. Always have somewhere else to be at 10 p.m. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I managed to actually pick up a bottle of the uh, cast strength, and yes, it's, uh, it's kind of like a, a bolder bolder statement, all right, of the uh, the the standard Natterjack.
2: I find that because um, I was really interested in cask strength. Um, having I hadn't drunk any, many, if any, cask strengths before ours, I found it really interesting that although it was the same blend, lots of different flavors come out because mm. of the intensity of it. Yeah. Did you? I don't know if you found the same.
0: Yeah, definitely. And adding maybe one or two little drops of water, just opening up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, really yeah it's it's it it tastes like a completely different completely different whiskey different profiles coming through to compare to the the standard
2: we've also been trying a few little um we're experimenting so obviously we want to grow and we want to grow slowly right because not a jack we're still babies really in the in the the market we need to grow this very carefully we need to grow a brand but we are also looking ahead to the future because you got to keep looking ahead right what's Mm -hmm. next Mm -hmm. and so we're experimenting with a few things and we've been, I've had a few of those samples at home and yeah. tasting those and doing a bit of home blending and seeing what's, what's working and what's not and stuff like that. So that's been fun.
1: And uh, on, the, on the cast strength side, we, um, well, I was talking to our US um, sales team. We're going to launch Natterjack there in the next few, uh, sorry, cast strength in the next few months. One of the things that they were asking us was like, why 63%? And I was like, very simply, because that's what it comes out of cast. It's actually true cast strength it's not it's not watered down to 51 so percent that you call it more um than your standard 40 percent daily yeah. proof whatever like we it's it's actually we opened the cask it came out through a filter we stuck a cork in it stuck a metal toad on it
0: and <laughs> the there you other. go so knock yourself out literally knock yourself <laughs> <Yeah. out. laughs> <laughs> that then puts me on to okay so you're breaking into the u.s market with the cast rent edition uh you mentioned Mescal there aiden as well i'm just thinking okay. any potential x like a, a cast finish from Mescal?
1: absolutely so um the guys at jj curry did one recently they're the only irish whiskey i know of off the top of my head it did it i thought it was a super collab
2: and um, done some really creative stuff, really
1: really cool stuff and um i would absolutely love to do something like that i suppose for us the question was always around innovation plus commerciality, right? Because yep. the support of a brand of one, we're effectively, we're two SKUs, call it, right? The Cask Strength and Nanojack. And we have the third one, which we'll release hopefully early next year, which has a story uh, all of its own. Mm-hmm. And I think is better than Nanojack,
0: but enough about that. For, so, for another episode.
1: For another episode. <laughs> so um, I, I think that. The, what we've what we've seen is the cost of supporting brands is so high that we we really need to make sure that each brand we can support each brand sits very well within the framework mm. and each brand is then scalable and um, so that we can bring it to market in the markets where Natterjack has worked well for us because Loyal customers, we're in 12 markets in the US. Loyal customers in the US really want cast strength. They can't have it and they feel a bit aggrieved and rightly so. So we want to find a way to support the brand and get it into the right hands in, in all the markets. Now, if we have nine SKUs, one of which is Mescal and one of which is a single barrel, and one of which is we don't have, we're too small to support mm-hmm. those different SKUs. And so we've really tried to do one thing, do it well, and then slowly grow after that, rather than have, try and be all things to all people. We don't dilute ourselves.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because,
1: <clears throat> because I wonder if we have nine SKUs, are we cannibalizing our own market, or are we taking market away from the bigger players? I hope we're taking market away from bigger players. <laughs> <Yeah>. Probably, <laughs> probably we're cannibalizing ourselves, and that's kind of in the, the thought process behind.
0: Market. Where do you see uh, Natterjack and Irish whiskey in five to ten years?
1: Can I go on? You go. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, Irish whiskey is doing an incredible job
0: at educating
1: growing, really taking our place back in the global whiskey space. A lot of that is, is led by our friends um at Middleton. And they're they're doing an incredible have done and continue to do an incredible job, both at supporting the likes of us, mm. we've all been on tours down there. They they take emails from us, they will offer advice. I mean they don't want us killing anyone with whiskey because <laughs> that would damage the <laughs> industry. But at the same time they've been incredibly generous with their time and information. Mm. So and, and Irish whiskey continues to grow. Because of the quality of the product, because of the story, we invented it, but also because of the tone of voice that it's being told with. And I think that's where the personality of the sector is really coming to the fore. And on the Irish Whiskey Association, who've been great uh, lobbyists and protagonists for Mm -hmm. us, what we're seeing is really that, is these great stories of of how we've gotten there. It's not all multinationals. There's a lot of boots on the ground of individual small companies. I think the future for Irish Whiskey is bright. The future for us is brighter, but I think we've been through that already.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's great as well, the fact that you're joining into the industry you're bringing your whiskey along and what you would see as kind of competitors in the Irish industry, but it's actually, there's a lot of collaboration. There's a lot of help and support because you're all collectively pushing on the Irish whiskey industry. Clothing. Oh, great! absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. We're not going after James. We're their friend. <laughs> We're going after gin. We're going after rum. We're going after bourbon. We're going after that Tasmanian whiskey company. Mm-hmm. We're going after Japan. We're going after converting mm-hmm. people who like spirits to Irish whiskey. And a great step to go from Mezcal to Redbreast, a great step is Natterjack. And that's all we really want is to bring people along. It's a gateway drug to a wonderful uh, spirit category. And so we're not going after anyone. We ha- happily have John Jameson. If he wants to come on here, we can have a chat and talk through uh, where he sees
0: the future of the industry. <sighs> <laughs> that That's such a powerful statement. I think what we'll do is we'll leave it on that one. <laughs> Guys, I, I, I want to thank you both so much for your time. Absolutely great talking to you both. Great to get your insight. Great to hear more about Natterjack and, and what your plans are for the future. Um, and for myself and all the listeners, just thank you so much for your time and uh, look forward to maybe having a glass of uh, Natterjack with you both in the near future.
2: Oh, here's Absolutely. That. Yeah, Thanks, no Greg. Thanks
1: for having us on.
0: We really appreciate Cheers. it. Take Thanks care. so much.